0: Chapter 10 of the Complete Essays of John Goldsworthy. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Caroline. The Complete Essays of John Goldsworthy. Chapter 10 The Black Godmother sitting out on the lawn at tea with our friend and his retriever we had been discussing those massacres of the helpless which had of late occurred and wondering that they should have been committed by the soldiery of so civilized a state when in a momentary pause of our astonishment our friend who had been listening in silence crumpling the drooping soft ear of his dog looked up and said the cause of atrocities is generally the violence of fear panics at the back of most crimes and follies knowing that his philosophical statements were always the result of concrete instance and that he would not tell us what that instance was if we asked him such being his nature we were careful not to agree he gave us a look out of those eyes of his so like the eyes of a mild eagle and said abruptly what do you say to this then i was out in the dog days last year with this fellow of mine looking for osmunda and stayed for some days in a village never mind the name coming back one evening from my tramp i saw some boys stoning a mealy-coloured dog i went up and told the young devils to stop it they only looked at me in the injured way boys do and one of them called out it's mad governor i told them to clear off and they took to their heels the dog followed me it was a young leggy mild-looking mongrel cross i should say between a brown retriever and an irish terrier there was froth about its lips and its eyes were watery it looked indeed as if it might be in distemper i was afraid of infection for this fellow of mine and whenever it came to close shooed it away till at last it slunk off altogether well about nine o'clock when i was sitting down to write by the open window of my sitting-room still daylight and very quiet and warm there began that most maddening sound the barking of an unhappy dog i could do nothing with that continual yop yop going on and it was too hot to shut the window so i went out to see if i could stop it the men were all at the pub and the women just finished with their gossip there was no sound at all but the continual barking of this dog somewhere away out in the fields i travelled by ear across three meadows till i came on a haystack by a pool of water there was the dog sure enough the same mealy coloured mongrel tied to a stake yupping and making frantic little runs on a bit of rusty chain whirling round and round the stake then standing quite still and shivering i went up and spoke to it but it backed into the haystack and there it stayed shrinking away from me with its tongue hanging out it had been heavily struck by something on the head the cheek was cut one eye half closed and an ear badly swollen i tried to get hold of it but the poor thing was beside itself with fear it snapped and flew around so that i had to give it up and sit down with this fellow here beside me to try and quiet it a strange dog you know will generally form his estimate of you from the way it sees you treat another dog i had to sit there quite half an hour before it would let me go up to it pull the stake out and lead it away the poor beast though it was so feeble from the blows it had received was still half frantic and i didn't dare to touch it and all the time i took good care that this fellow here didn't come too near then came the question what was to be done there was no vet of course and i'd no place to put it except my sitting-room which didn't belong to me but looking at its battered head and its half-mad eyes i thought no trusting you with these bumpkins you'll have to come in here for the night well i got it in and heaped two or three of those hairy little red rugs landladies are so fond of up in a corner and got it on to them and put down my bread and milk but it wouldn't eat its sense of proportion was all gone fairly destroyed by terror it lay there moaning, and every now and then it raised its head with a yap of sheer fright, dreadful to hear, and bit the air as if its enemies were on it again, and this fellow of mine lay in the opposite corner, with his head on his paw, watching it. I sat up for a long time with that poor beast, sick enough, and wondering how it had come to be stoned and kicked and battered into this state and next day i made it my business to find out our friend paused scanned us a little angrily and then went on it had made its first appearance it seems following a bicyclist there are men you know save the mark who when their beasts get ill or too expensive jump on their bicycles and take them for a quick run, taking care never to look behind them. When they get back home, they say, "Hullo, where's Fido? Fido is nowhere, and there's an end. Well, this poor puppy gave up just as it got to our village, and, roaming shout in search of water, attached itself to a farm laborer the man with excellent intentions as he told me himself tried to take hold of it but too abruptly so that it was startled and snapped at him whereon he kicked it for a dangerous cur and it went drifting back toward the village and fell in with the boys coming home from school it thought no doubt that they were going to kick it too and nipped to one of them who took it by the collar thereupon they hullabalooed and stoned it down the road to where i found them then i put in my little bit of torture and drove it away through fear of infection to my own dog after that it seems to have fallen in with a man who told me "'Well, you see, he came sneaking round my house with the children playing, and snapped at them when they went to stroke him, so that they came running into their mother, and she called to me in a fine taking about a mad dog. I ran out with a shovel and gave him one, and drove him out. I'm sorry if he wasn't mad, he looked it right enough. You can't be too careful with strange dogs.' its next acquaintance was an old stone-breaker a very decent sort well you see the old man explained to me the dog came smelling around my stones and it wouldn't come near and it wouldn't go away it was all froth and blood about the jaw and its eyes glared green at me i thought to myself be in the dog days i don't like the look o you you look funny so i took a stone and got it here just on the ear and it fell over and i thought to myself well you've got to finish it or it'll go bitin' somebody for sure but when i come to it with my hammer the dog got up and you know how it is when there's something you've half-killed, and you feel sorry, and yet you feel you must finish it, and you hit it blind, you hit at it again and again, the poor thing, it wriggled and snapped, and I was terrified it'd bite me, and somehow it got away. Again our friend paused, and this time we dared not look at him. The next hospitality it was shown— he went on presently was by a farmer who seeing it all bloody drove it off thinking it had been digging up a lamp that he'd just buried the poor homeless beast came sneaking back so he told his men to get rid of it well they got hold of it somehow there was a hole in its neck that looked as if they'd used a pitchfork and mortally afraid of its biting them but not liking as they told me to drown it for fear the owner might come on them they got a stake and a chain and fastened it up and left it in the water by the haystack where i found it i had some conversation with that farmer that's right he said but who was to know i couldn't have my sheep worried the brute had blood on his muzzle these curs do a lot of harm when they've once been blooded. you can't run risks our friend cut viciously at a dandelion with his stick run risks he broke out suddenly that was it from the beginning to end of that poor beast's sufferings fear from that fellow on the bicycle afraid of the worry and expense as soon as it showed signs of distemper to myself and the man with the pitchfork not one of us i dare say would have gone out of our way to do it a harm but we felt fear and so by the law of self-preservation or whatever you like it all began till there the poor thing was with a battered head and a hole in its neck ravenous with hunger and too distraught even to lap my bread and milk yes and there's something uncanny about a suffering animal we sat watching it and again we were afraid looking at its eyes and the way it bit the air fear it's the black godmother of all damnable things our friend bent down crumpling and crumpling at his dog's ears we too gazed at the ground thinking of that poor lost puppy and the horrible inevitability of all that happens seeing men are what they are thinking of all the foul doings in the world whose black godmother is fear and what became of the poor dog one of us asked at last when said our friend slowly i'd had my fill of watching i covered it with a rug took this fellow away with me and went to bed there was nothing else to do at dawn i was awakened by three dreadful cries not like a dog's at all i hurried down there was the poor beast wriggled out from under the rug stretched on its side dead this fellow of mine had followed me in and he went and sat down by the body when i spoke to him he just looked around and wagged his tail along the ground but would not come away and there he sat till it was buried very interested but not sorry at all our friend was silent looking angrily at something in the distance and we too were silent seeing in spirit that vigil of early morning the thin lifeless sandy-coloured body stretched on those red mats and this black creature, now lying at our feet, propped on its haunches like the dog in the death of Procris, patient, curious, ungrieved, staring down at it with his bright, interested eyes nineteen twelve Chapter ten